And let's be clear, we exist only as a Great Commission people. We exist in order that sinners will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe and be saved from all the nations. The marching orders of the Church of Jesus Christ were to go into all the world and preach the gospel because the gospel has the power unto salvation. This is what it means to follow Christ. A call to live, a call to die, a call to spend your life for Jesus here and around the world until he returns. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. Our guest today is Dr. Jeremy Pierre. Dr. Pierre currently serves as professor of biblical counseling at Southern Seminary. He is an author, a beloved professor, a cherished colleague, but most importantly, he's my friend. He has pastoral experience. He has taught and lectured in contexts all over the world, and I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation today. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. It is a joy to be here, and what a great project this has been. All right. Well, I want to have a conversation today about missionary care. There's lots of talk in the missions world today about mobilization, about sending, about missions training, about people giving money to missions, but maybe not a lot of talk about how do we care for those that we send out. So I think we we talk about this some in the church context. We talk about caring for our church members, and I think mm-hmm. people understand generally what that means and what that looks like. But what exactly is missionary care? What's the goal, and why is that important? Well, that's a great question, and it's funny because the the question should be obvious to us, and yet it's not. Because what should be obvious is that missionaries are disciples just as much as any member of our church is a disciple of Jesus Christ, and thus they need to be discipled. And I think what that does is it reveals that we sort of have an assumption about missionaries that they're this sort of special breed of Christian who's super spiritual and maybe a little bit quirky. And therefore, they sort of are these independent, self-sustaining spiritual entities that just get dropped anywhere in the globe and can kind of survive on their own. Like they come with their own MREs, their meals ready to eat, and they can just sustain themselves. And that's just not the case. That's, That's a super spiritual understanding of the missionary calling. It's unrealistic. It's unbiblical. And we need to remember that these folks are disciples, even as they are seeking to make new disciples. And so that sort of answers the question of why it's important to care for them is because they remain a organic part of the church and an extension of the church's ministry when we're really conceiving of this thing rightly. So I could go into now sort of like, what does that actually look like? What are the goals going on there? Because I think that was the second part of your question. Our goal in forming disciples, our missionary disciples, is really our, our same goal as forming any disciples. And the New Testament talks about it in a lot of different ways. Here's one way that I think is really helpful. We're trying to help them be imitators of God. Okay, So 1 Thessalonians 1, Ephesians 5. This, this idea of being an imitator of God as a beloved child, as a disciple of Jesus. 
And what that means is that we act and think and love and value and choose as God would do. We, we are learning to pattern ourselves after who God is. And that happens only through faith in Jesus Christ, but it happens as we feed each other and as we help each other to know who God is and thus to imitate him in how we respond. Okay. So those responses, this is why it's kind of easier for us to think of disciples as the people in our church and not missionaries. Those responses happen to within our context. Okay. So we want husbands who are workers in corporate America to be godly in their work in corporate America, as well as godly at home when they, when they arrive at 5.30 or 6 or 6.30 PM. Well, that same thing is true of our missionaries. That's our, that's our desire for our missionaries. It's just, they're not in corporate America. They're in a different context with different pressures. Yeah, that's really good. That's, that's really helpful. Maybe talk some about kind of the difference that you see in member care, caring for church members and missionary care. You know, it seems like, you know, it's the way we care for somebody who lives five or 10 miles away from us might be different than the way that we care for somebody who lives 3000 miles away from us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a couple differences come to mind, but the first one kind of segues from, I think what we had just been talking about in the last question, there's a big difference in context. That's what makes discipling a missionary sort of harder in one sense than discipling somebody in our own context. And why we tend to shy away from it perhaps is that we don't share the same context. And so that means it takes far more effort to understand what the unique pressures are, what it is that they're facing. To figure those things out, it takes a lot more listening than just being able to kind of at least understand what that family growing up in an American context in suburbia, what they're facing with their teenager. Well, you've probably gone through something at least similar. And so there's a lot less to figure out. There's a lot less mystery to it. And you can speak both from a biblical word, but also kind of where where scripture led you to make certain choices in your own experience and in your own thought. Well, I mean, Paul, there, there are things that our missionaries in sort of a frontier jungle context experience that I literally have no clue or, or sort of a, a, an urban context, but a poor urban context versus a wealthy or established urban context. And there are things that they experience that I don't know from my experience. And so it just, it makes me a little bit more trepidatious and nervous and insecure as I care for them. But the solution is just listening more. So that's one big difference. I could go on, but that makes sense. It does. Yeah. It's it, to me, it's what I heard was, and I think it's very insightful is we almost have to figure out how do we jump into their context to a certain degree and understand their context before we can even really begin to relate and understand them and yeah. what's going on. So I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's one big difference. The other one is sort of similar to it is that we don't have built-in overlap with people on the mission field than we do with the folks who live in our same communities. By, by overlap, I mean both schedule-wise and then even just your physical location. I had a really heartfelt conversation for maybe seven minutes yesterday of a guy that I just happened across, a church member that I just happened across in a public place. And 
we were able to chat and catch up on this. And he, he let me know that they were, their family was burdened by a certain thing that I wasn't even aware of. We were able to quickly just say, Hey, you know, how, how can we encourage each other in the Lord? I shared with him a Bible idea, you know, that helped him. And that was that I didn't plan that. I didn't schedule that. I didn't structure that. That just naturally happened. Also, you know, on a Sunday morning at church, I can't tell you how many conversations I have after church as we linger. I mean, our, our church is known for like, you're there for an hour afterwards. You know what I mean? And it's great and it's fun. And I think I've realized even in the pandemic time, just how important that was for body life and for just discipling people. Well, when we're caring for our missionaries, we don't have that natural overlap. So I'm just pointing that out because it does take extra effort. It does take a willingness to get creative and to think about how do we create those points of contact. That's a good point. We're not going to care well for missionaries on accident. It's going to be something that we're going to have to really try hard at. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's good. Let me share one more difference because I actually think this is important too. I think we we don't adequately realize that a missionary in his context is usually seen as the spiritual leader in their context. That's not necessarily true of the average person in your church, okay? They're very much aware that they need guidance, and so they're looking to whoever's on the ministry staff or pastors or whatever to kind of be that spiritually strong anchor-like person to, hey, give me advice. Well, our missionaries are used to being that person, and, and kind of in their context, the unique pressure and difficulty of kind of being the only person that is seen that way. And so it's funny, you can, you can run into, there sometimes can be a natural resistance in missionaries to be able to kind of put that mantle down a little bit and, and to sort of seek care and seek advice. Or sometimes there's even guilt for doing that. Like, no, I I should be the strong person. So, so even our missionaries sometimes adopt that false understanding of spirituality that, that we talked about just a little bit ago. And they themselves feel weak for needing care. And it's good for us to feel weak and in need of care in the ways that the Bible says that we are weak and in need of care. And so I'm just trying to point out that sort of being the spiritual leader is something that you have to be aware of in the way that we care for our people, our our missionaries. Yeah, I like that, you know, kind of back to what you started at with, you know, missionaries are disciples and every disciple needs care. Every disciple needs encouragement. Most of the time, the missionaries are the ones who are providing care. They're providing the encouragement. But it's almost like this concept we hear about sometimes in the States where, well, who who's going to pastor the pastors? It's kind of the same concept with who's going to care and encourage the missionary, because oftentimes there are those who are isolated to kind of share those burdens. So. That's right. All right. Next question, in your opinion, is missionary care the job of the local church or the sending church or the sending organization? Right. That's a good question. I wonder, I, I, I kind of feels like you're trying to trap me a little bit. Okay. <laughs> there's no, there's no trap there. I will say that this has, you know, I would say over the last decade plus, I'm, I'm thankful that this has become more of an important question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you're not trying to trap me because, because honestly, I feel torn because I think it's both, but not in the same ways. It's not like 50% of the labor we just divide down the line. It's there's different types of care and support 
that I think are appropriate that a church provides versus what an agency would provide. So complementary strength. So let me explain what I mean by that. I think for a church, I mean, we know from scripture, from first Peter two, it's the church is the living temple. Okay. It's the household of God being built up like living stones. We know from Ephesians four, that the way we build ourselves up is through speaking truth in love. It's so that we can grow up, be warned against those things in our world that want to cause us to be immature and, and unstable. And it's through loving service to one another that we actually, I mean, Paul uses the phrase mature manhood or that we're formed after Christ. And so that is the unique privilege of a church and not of any other agency. So to form disciples ultimately is tasked to the church. That is who Christ has pledged his loyalty to as his bride, not any of our parachurch organizations, which we love and support the church. So in terms of caring for missionaries, what that means is the formation of a disciple is not the job of an agency. It's, it's the job of the church and specifically the elders in caring for those folks. So that's super important, but honestly, it's not adequate in the sense that the missionary calling really is a spiritual calling. It's an extension of the church. We believe that, but there's also sort, sort of a organizational logistical aspect to actually being sent over there having the support from what do finances look like to visas to all the logistical stuff that any job would have as part of it. So the agency support is sort of a supportive structure, even sort of a management of employee. And, you know, all of us work for different companies and we all know you can either do that well and have a caring environment where where the employees are actually made productive because the hindrances to productivity and clarity of task are removed and you have just good leadership or it can hinder it, right? And so a church's job isn't to provide that clarity and that management of employee. That's the support that sort of an agency would do. So, you know, if it, it is sort of analogous if you think about the average member of our church, they can be in a work environment that is either good or bad in terms of what it means to manage an employee for the task that they were hired for, that they were entrusted with. And I'm sure, Paul, you've talked to many men and women in your church. I have too, where say they're in a, in a poor management situation. Well, the church can still form a disciple in a situation like that, but we can't go in and give management training and make that a better place to work, okay? And vice versa is true. An agency can be a really good place to work, just like a company, you know, a, a local company can be a really good place. They, they, they help the employees get done what they need to do, but say they're from a church that doesn't disciple and doesn't, doesn't form Christ in them. Well, well, a company's not gonna solve that problem. So I, I, hope, that's a, a, I hope that's a helpful way of, of talking about the difference of what the different supports mean from an agency versus a church. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I like your answer of both. I think the answer is both as well. I think historically, I mean, over the last several decades, I think in some ways, some of those responsibilities of the local church have been punted to the sending organization. And so I've been encouraged again over the last decade plus to see 
churches wanting to take more ownership in this area. And sometimes that can be messy, figuring out kind of how do those three parties, the missionary, the sending church, the organization, how do they all work together? I do think it's, it's work that is worth our effort trying to figure those things out. And I do think missionaries are going to be most healthy on the field when they're getting that good discipleship and care from a local church, but they're also getting that good logistical support from the yeah. organization as well. That's well said, Paul. And I would, I would, I mean, something that was kind of buried in what you said that I think is really wise is I think agencies can actually help churches be better at this, not because the church needs other agencies. It's not what I'm saying, but the agency is more familiar with those contextual things that we talked about earlier than a church would be. And so if there's just, as agencies grow in their appreciation for the church's role, it would be smart for them to kind of start to bank some of those ideas, maybe come up with some resources, even if they're simple, to equip churches to kind of not have to figure it out on their own. And that's a way to serve missionaries well. That's right. Reaching a specific people group with the gospel demands specialized training and a global vision. Southern Seminary supports these ministry goals through theological education that is trusted for truth. A degree in missiology from Southern Seminary provides students with the biblical foundation and theological training necessary to take the gospel into all the world. The program prepares graduates to serve as missionaries, church planters, and ministry leaders anywhere in the world. To learn more about Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and doctoral degrees available through the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary, go to sbts.edu bgs, or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click the link to the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. There you'll learn how listeners to this podcast can save $40 when applying for classes. The web address again is sbts.edu slash bgs. All right. I want to get down to, we've talked some about more theoretical. I want to get down to more practical. What are practical ways a local church you know, can begin caring for missionaries on the field? I know that there are you know, people probably listening to this, and almost anyone who you would talk to would say, yes, we would love to care well for missionaries. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't know how to start or where to begin. It has to begin with the leadership. That's true of, of almost everything, I think, in terms of like a ministry effort of a church, is it's got to start with the leadership. And so by that, you know, again, practically speaking, I think by that, I mean two things. I think, I mean, first, that there is an assigned responsibility to someone in leadership. And and what I mean by that is, okay, if we as a staff or as an elder board or as a committee of deacons or whoever, whatever group is, is going to try to take this seriously, if there's no one defined as your point person, you know, our American football sports analogies, our quarterback, right? The one who's actually play calling. I think it's going to, it's just going to not have the momentum that it needs. Okay. So, so I think with leadership, you start by assigning the responsibility. Okay. Who's going to do this and what are we asking them to figure out? Okay. It may be as simple as how do we increase our contact with our missionaries or how do we become aware of missionary needs or how do we proactively care for missionaries in the sense of just we're expressing our love to them in certain ways. Okay. So that's the thing we want figured out. Who's going to do it. Okay. Assign this person to do it and give them a date 
or resourcing or here's your budget or whatever it is to get it done. I think that's really important to to assign the responsibility. And then the second part of that with, with leadership is then that person can then help regularly cast vision and even have some degree of training for for how all the leaders can be involved in carrying out that particular task. So I think both of those are really important when you're starting with leadership. You got to assign the responsibility. You got to regularly talk about it and and recast it and have some, here's how you do it. When those things are in place, it happens. You know, at our church, we have a deacon of missionary care who works with a team that involves two of our elders who are then translating to the rest of the elder board, okay, here's how we're caring for our missionaries. Here's how each one of you as elders are involved in this effort. And then that sets us up to, I haven't gotten here yet, but that sets us up to then talk to the congregation. But I would start with leadership. That's the first part of my answer. Yeah, that's good. You know, I think this particular question, this conversation is so important just because I want to kind of scan out for a moment. You know, I think every Christian that we know is passionate about gospel advance around the world, right? Yeah. Every Christian wants to see more disciples. They want to see more churches planted among unreached peoples and places. But maybe what they don't always put together is the way that we see more of that take place is we care better mm-hmm. for those who are out there doing that work. Yeah. And if we if we fail in those areas, that can sometimes be the difference of a family coming home mm-hmm. or staying on the field. That's why this conversation isn't just theoretical. Churches are caring well for those that they've sent out. That can be the difference of, of, a, of a family, of a unit, whatever, staying in a context for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whereas they may come home if they don't receive the care and support that they need. That's right. So, so that's actually the second part of that question is I think you start with the leadership, but then you got to go to the congregation. And I think it's those same two things, just maybe in reverse order. You got to cast the vision. You got to regularly even offer sort of, it may not even be formal training, but like you, it has to be a value that your average person walking out of a service, if you have four Sunday mornings a month and you ask them, Hey, what is this church value? Just off the top of your head in terms of what they talk about, what they pray about with the Like somewhere in there should be, we love our missionaries. We, we care for our missionaries. So regularly casting vision and then specifically, you know, appointing assigning responsibilities. So the good news here is you don't have to reinvent anything. You can use the regular structure of your church, right? So maybe, maybe your Sunday school classes are the main kind of like pods of people that you have. Well, how can you use a Sunday school class to say, Hey, this class is going to lean in with these two missionary families or one missionary family. Maybe it's small groups, maybe it's other things that you already have structured in. But again, Casting vision generally, but then also offering specific avenues of coordinated effort, I think is what is going to make a successful plan for that. Yeah, that's good. All right. Maybe just one or two examples that you've seen in the context of a local church. Do you have maybe any simple examples of how you've seen a local church care well? Yeah. There's a lot of good churches who do this really well. Okay. So I know one church, I'm just going to give a spattering of examples. I know one church that their lead pastor, their preaching pastor meets every month with their four missionaries. I think they've sent out three or four from their church to simply talk about whatever it is that they want to talk about. 
sometimes it's pre-planned like, Hey, we read this book or what's going on back in the United States here, there, or other thing, or, or, you know, I have this situation at church that I'm trying to counsel and I'm just, I, I'm just above my head. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to handle it. And so, but the point is the, that's a regular rhythm of conversation about the ministry that's done by this lead pastor. That's just an investment that he makes in those guys. And it has been, it's been wonderful because, because you get into personal stuff, but you also are talking ministry stuff and it's regular. So that's, that's one good example. Another good example is I know another church that they're pretty aware of the needs of their missionaries as they come up in terms of just spiritual need. They, they keep up with them really well, just relationally. And when there has been a need for counseling, they set it up almost immediately, even if there's just a hint of it, because what they want to do is they want to have some degree of preventative, some degree of responsive. But the point is like they lean in, they have a structure already in place where they can lean in and have an available counselor that's appropriate to the need. I know another church that a big part of their short-term missions budget and strategy every year is not hey, come tell us where you want to go, you know, church. And if you want to fill out a scholarship form to get X, Y, and Z, you can get enough money for this, which is great and fine. I I think that's actually a good thing to have there. But that's not all they have. They actually say, okay, this year we're sending an elder and his wife to this couple, and we have slots for four people that want to go. The idea is there's sort of intentionality in, in covering all of the different missionary families and then giving them care, loving them while they're there. The, the, the goal of those is less like what service projects can we do to kind of like pe- get people in the church and more like, no, your kids need our attention. We're going to read to them. You know, you, you need our attention. We're going to ask into your, your, into your marriage. We're going to take you to a nice restaurant and, and just bless you in this way. So those are ideas that come to mind. Last one that comes to mind is there, there's another church in particular that they're just super good at proactive care, meaning they kind of require their missionaries to have regular retreats that they themselves host. So usually an elder or pastor from their church. Sometimes it's sort of related to marriage, like a marriage retreat. Oftentimes it's not. It's just sort of for personal refreshment. But the point is they are not just waiting for problems to arise in their missionaries' lives and then responding with care. They're trying to create a regular thing that they can look forward to as a place they can spiritually unload and be cared for. Yeah, I like that proactive nature, not just waiting for crisis, but just building that in as a rhythm and a pattern. Those are great examples. I want to transition to some lightning round questions, just looking for shorter responses here, which we'll see how how easy or, or difficult that is with some of the questions. But in missionary care, what is more important, regular communication or occasional in-person visits? Oh man, that feels like another trap question. (laughs) I'm going to say it depends on the personality and the ministry context of the people. For some people, if you demand or not, not demand, but if, if you try to structure in regular contact over much, that actually is quite taxing on them. And they've, we've had this where they express like, it's just, you know, what you're asking me to do, I know it's for me, but like, that's really hard for us. But then when you visit them, it's like, they'll remember that for years. Right. So, so for them, 
I, it felt more appropriate, man, make sure we're getting over there at least every two years, you know, then for others, I think if you visit them once every two years, they're going to feel just absolutely alone and abandoned. And, and just, you know, you got WhatsApp or iMessage, even a simple, like, Hey, thinking of this morning from Philippians one, boom, or, Hey, how'd that thing go? How, how'd that one meeting go? You were mentioning. And, and they send you a one line text. The point is not all that much is necessarily accomplished in that three lines of text exchange, but it creates expectations of access that I think are really important. Yeah, that's good. One simple thing churches could start doing today to better care for missionaries is blank. Assign one person to organize something, even if it's as simple as like, how are we all going to be aware of what contact is being made with our various missionaries? Like just assign one person to do that. That's where you can start. Okay. This is you talking to pastors and church leaders. So pastors and church leaders when missionaries that you've sent out come home from the field and they attend your worship gathering, you should blank. I think you want to publicly commend, pray for, and then encourage people to go say hi to your missionaries. So in other words, like, I think when they show up, you don't want to like, on the one hand, ignore their presence. On the other hand, you also don't want to lift them up as these super special people that are untouchable. I think you just want to say, guys, you've been laboring faithfully. We're super thankful for you. We are praying for you publicly as a church. Boom. And then afterwards, like, come say hi to them. If you've never met them and they're on your refrigerator, tell them that. It, it encourages them to know, I've never seen your face except for on a photograph on my fridge. It's great to meet you. And it can be a two-minute conversation. It can be a one-minute conversation. But those contact points are really important in caring for this family that's with us today. You mentioned already the, the point person, but this question is somewhat similar. The most important thing churches can do to care well for their missionaries is blank. I think I'd answer that by saying not forget them. But that's saying that in the negative. So I'm going to say it in the positive. Remember them. Remember them. And what that means is whatever prayer pages you have or regular prayer, they're definitely there. Okay. But they're also, it's also some means of contact. So it goes back to your regular contact question, a text message that is international now. Email's great. I hate email. Whatever they want is a way of ministering to them. Even some small acknowledgement of remembering them is really important in sort of keeping them connected to the, the vitality of a church. Yeah, I like the way you put that, remembering them. And, and I would just, yeah, I would say remembering them in in prayer. You know, I tell mm -hmm. people in, in churches, you can be involved in the Great Commission every single day right mm -hmm. where you are mm -hmm. by praying. And that's not just something trite that we say. that That's a true statement. Like prayer is is the work. God hears the prayers of his people. He responds to the prayers of his people. So I think keeping those missionaries Remembering them in prayer is is a key thing. So thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, that's actually that you said it well. We're remembering them before God, and we're remembering them to to themselves. You know, it's it's a it's a dual thing. All right. In a second, I'm going to ask you the last question. I want to thank you for your time. If I could summarize kind of what we have talked about today, just in maybe one short statement, it would be: If you're passionate about the Great Commission, you should be passionate about missionary care based on everything that we've talked about. So last question, 
If you could say one thing to encourage missionaries listening to this conversation today, what would you say to them? I think I'd say to them, don't think you have to be more spiritual than Jesus. And what I mean by that is scare quotes around spiritual because he was the most spiritual person ever. But what I mean by that is this, Jesus was affected by living in a fallen world. In fact, Hebrews tells us that he had to learn obedience through what he suffered, even though he was the eternal son of God. And so I guess what I'm saying is that your context is going to have an effect on you. And that's not because you are spiritually immature. It's because you're living in a fallen world that has an effect on all of us. And so that should free you and humble you to recognize that it's okay to need care yourself. It's not a sign of like your, your failure or your potential failure. It's a sign that you're a human being who's learning obedience through what you suffer. You're, you're learning to trust God by what you suffer. And you have an incredible resource in fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who may not be able to understand the particularities of your context. That is a hundred percent true, but you know what? The Bible still speaks to those particularities. The Holy Spirit can still use their encouragement to make connections for you that are going to lift you up and help you. So I think that's what I'd say just to encourage any missionaries who might be listening. Jeremy, thanks so much for your time and for the conversation today. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.